Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We're still waiting in limbo. We still don't have any idea when or if baseball is going to start in 2020. We have a few suggestions coming out from the league, but nothing near set in stone. So we're just going to try to keep it entertained the best we can until we know more. Adam, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic. I haven't gone stir crazy yet. Yeah, you know, neither have I. Neither have I. I feel like other people around me have, but you know, there, there's some things I'm definitely getting tired of, but I'm not yeah. like blowing my brains out all over the wall with a wooden fork. I yeah, I'm, what made me think of that? That's, but. that's an interesting. It's an interesting way of accomplishing that task. I think you could uh, probably achieve that less painfully if you wanted to, but I, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage either method. It's like this. It's like a zombie killing method. Stab it with a wooden. Yeah, stick. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I wasn't going out, you know, multiple times a week anyway. But I am starting to miss, you know, just the, you know, life. The the little things of just being able to go out and grab a beer or a burger with your buddies or or something. I, you know, I'm starting to want to do that. And obviously, we're hopefully we're not too far away from being able to do that sort of thing again. But for now, it looks like that's still out the window. Yeah. The nice thing was here for a few days, it was like 70, 80 degrees. And right now, as I look out today, it's snowing. Ooh. Yeah. And it, it literally, in a matter of a day, it went from 70, 80 degrees and late night thunderstorms, which is awesome because I love thunderstorms. And now snow. Snowstorm. How cool is that? Wow. Yeah, I mean, it... I hate snow anyway. I wouldn't care if I never saw snow again for the rest of my life, but snow in April and beyond is is just rubbing salt on the wound. Yeah, you remember uh, 2018 when the Cubs home opener was postponed because of mm-hmm. snow? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And it was a blanket of snow, too. Yeah, I really, really hate snow. Yeah, I'm not not the biggest fan of it either. I enjoy snow in the holiday seasons, but after New Year's, I'm sick of it. New Year's is like the cutoff. I like a white Christmas or a little flurry Thanksgiving, but after that, no thanks. No thanks. It's just a pain to drive in, to walk around in. Like yep. I I could do without white Christmas too, I guess. It it wouldn't bother me if I never had a white Christmas again. The funny thing was that in Chicago, it was so warm, like we wore short sleeves on Christmas. And Halloween, there was a snowstorm on Halloween. Weatherman. I, it, it's it, crazy. Really, really crazy. Thanksgiving was typical Thanksgiving weather in Chicago. There was nothing really obscure about Thanksgiving. But Christmas and, and Halloween were what each other should have been. It was really, really odd. I'll never forget it. I never will. Uh, Before we go any further into baseball discussion or Cubs discussion, I wanted to take a really, really quick moment because we weren't doing the show last week. I just, I want to say it now. I figured we should. Uh, I just wanted to give uh, a little tribute um, to uh, the late Ed Farmer. Uh, Ed Farmer was the longtime voice of the Chicago White Sox on the radio. Uh, with the organization for about 30 years doing that job. And 
Before he was a radio broadcaster, he was a pitcher in the major leagues, and he had a very solid career. He was with the White Sox a few years, was an all-star one of those years, all-star reliever with the White Sox. Very big in the Chicago sports community, very classy guy. It's it's too bad he never had a formal retirement because he just passed away and he was just doing games last year. Um, so really sad to see him go. Just wanted to give a little shout-out to the White Sox community little tribute to Ed Farmer. Rest in peace, Ed Farmer. And congratulations on a very successful career in baseball, both on the field and behind the mic. Huzzah. Huzzah. Cheers to that. We'll never forget you, Ed. Light it up, as you would say. Okay, so, Adam, I don't know if you've been paying close attention to the rumors or the talks about trying to salvage a 2020 season to me as they go along it just seems less and less practical and more and more likely we might not have baseball have you read the latest proposal that came out in a report by Jeff Passan was it the one about uh, potentially just playing the whole thing in Arizona yeah 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 that 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 doesn't seem likely no no, I would and, take that over no baseball at all, no question about it. But uh, I really uh, am at this point. I'm expecting no baseball. I'm I'm just bracing for that so that it's it doesn't feel like such a painful blow when we actually get confirmation. I know, I, and I know it's not going to happen this way. Um, but like, if there is going to be no baseball, I'd almost rather just have the band aid ripped off. But just because. Yeah. There's so much money at stake. There's so much business and revenue to be lost. They're going to try to hold out as long as they can and try to salvage a season. Yeah. And they're trying, they're thinking of everything right now. Yeah. And I think one thing, you know, one thing I'd really like to emphasize is that proposal we read, you know, some people took it as serious, but really it was just ideas floated around that's nowhere even close to being set in stone. Well, and I mean, the, we've never experienced anything like this in our lifetime, in our parents' lifetime. And so, the, you know, proposals that seem ridiculous, uh, it, 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 we're at that point. We're at that point where we're gonna, we have to start seriously considering the unorthodox and things that just seem absolutely bonkers to us. We are at that point where those are going to have to become uh, options for us. And I, I agree with you that... Uh, I don't think it would be wise for them to to just rip the Band-Aid off right now and and call it quits because it, there's just so much uncertainty right now. I mean, mm-hmm. God willing, a couple weeks, two, three weeks from now, maybe we're doing a lot better and, and we're drastically decreasing cases and mortality rate. It, it trends in the right direction. Yeah, you know, I would hate for us to, to really make a strong comeback and then have MLB say, "Gee, I wish we we hadn't just outright canceled the season a couple weeks ago." Uh, but I mean, even optimistically, if there is a baseball season, it's obviously going to be way shortened. I don't see them playing, you know, past late November into December. I don't think they would do that. No. Uh, no. Yeah, I think I think at at best we would get a, a much shorter regular season, and they'd probably have to play some double headers. Uh, and it would be a weird experience, but like I said, at this point, I will take any sort of baseball uh, over nothing at all. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about the whole 
proposal, I think the biggest red flags are this. It's going to be hard to ask players to just live by themselves away from their families and quarantine for several months in hotels. I mean, being away yeah. from the family, that's that's a big, big yeah. thing. That's I think one, that, you know. I think that would be really hard for them, but I think if there is any sort of proposal to have a season at all, I think that they, the players will take it. Uh, it's not going to be an ideal situation. It's going to suck for them to be away from their families, but at the end of the day, uh, the only way they're going to get uh, the real paycheck is if they play ball. And so if they have to if they have to make some compromises for this season, then I think they'll do it. I mean, they'll definitely, as time goes on, they'll definitely consider the more unorthodox more and more. I don't think there's any doubt yeah. about that. The other thing, too, is, you know, I'm sure this could be somewhat managed, but, you know, it, it's, it's just a, it makes it a little difficult because... If we're talking about playing in Arizona, we're not talking about every team gets to play at climate-controlled Chase Field. Yeah. We're talking playing outdoors. And if you don't know how hot it gets, let me tell you how it gets in Arizona in midsummer. Like, dangerously hot. So, you know, things like this are what makes proposals that may seem unorthodox but somewhat doable much, much harder I think, too, that you hear these proposals and you say to yourself, okay, this is just kind of brainstorming at this point. It's not really, even if they do come up with a plan that's sort of on this basis, the terms you read right now are not exactly what they're going to be because they wanted to start, at least according to this proposal, the thought was, oh, get this started all up in May. I can tell you right now, that's not happening. Probably not. I mean, that that would be great. The sooner the better. But yeah, I, I, I'm really not seeing that. No, I, especially with the uncertainty now, because it sounds like we're hitting the peak right now, at least according to the experts. And it's going to kind of be a wait and see type of basis over the next few weeks to see how big of a curve it is. Have we truly hit the curve? So even if you do hit the worst of it within these next few weeks, you're in May already by that time and then you have to get the play you would have to get the players together and they're not just going to start the season they got to get back into shape they got to have some sort of getting back into rhythm type spring training deal obviously not as long as traditional spring training but they're going to need something yeah it's it's just it's not as simple as you know as just all right start playing right now just start the yeah season. yeah that everybody would be blowing their arms out Oh, could you imagine? Yeah, it would not. It would not be good. It would. Could not. you imagine a pitcher like you, Darvish, in that yeah. situation? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. He's he's precisely the kind of guy who who needs uh, the spring training practice kind of time. You, uh, all these pitchers, they they can't just jump back into it. It's just not a possibility. No, and I mean not just you, Darvish too, but think about guys like John Lester, who's older. Yeah. Think about guys on other teams like Max Scherzer, file fireballers like them, Clayton Kershaw, tough. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like it, just like you said, you know, even if they get the go ahead to start playing, uh they're going to have to use a, a pretty significant amount of time off the bat to get back into shape and practice. It's not going to be okay, you're cleared to do sports now and you can have games. It's going to it's going to be a lot of practice first. Uh you know, maybe 
in other sports, maybe not the case. I, you know, I could see basketball being that way. The basketball, they could probably jump back in pretty fast. Cause I, I imagine, you know, a lot of these guys, they, they have ways of staying in shape at home. Baseball players do too, but it's, it's apples and oranges there. And, and guys have to have extended time to get their arms ready. So yeah, even, even optimistically, they get to go ahead to start playing in May or June. It, it's going to be a ton of practice time first. And that's that's a big part of the reason why if they do have a baseball season at all, it's going to be short. Right, exactly. Now, here's another interesting question that I think is very valid. Let's say you do have a baseball season. I, I would be very, very interested to see if they would implement expanded rosters. Because even if you come back and you do have somewhat of a spring training it's, I still think just the way things were so thrown off, it's going to be harder and harder for starting pitchers. So would we see a season where you could see an expanded roster, you have more arms on your roster, more players in general, and not see pitchers going nearly as deep as yeah. they would in a normal season? I think that's a very yeah. valid question I, to ask. I think I think they would almost have to do that. I think yeah. it would be, you know, and it's not even just uh, a matter of, of of would you be willing to do that. I almost I almost think that that's the responsible thing to do uh, if you're the commissioner. If there is a baseball season at all, I think it would almost be irresponsible not to expand rosters significantly. Oh, I agree. You know, I I know that's that that's that's not you know what we're used to in baseball, but these are just extraordinarily unique circumstances. And I think mm-hmm. that you, you would have to open the door to, to having teams have a, a lot more pitchers. I, I just think that that would be a necessity, honestly. I do too. And that kind of brings me to another question. Let's say they start the season, whenever, July, late mm-hmm. June, whenever. And this is just if. Would you really look for the Cubs to be contending? I mean, obviously we want to, but I feel like if we have a shortened season, I feel like no matter what happens, it would be kind of an important time to evaluate what you have in the future. Yeah. And if we're talking about expanded rosters, more arms, that means giving more of your young arms a chance. And it's a, time to really kind of see what you have I I wouldn't have as big of expectations for the Cubs if they were in a shortened season I would kind of just watch it and say all right what do we have for the future I know that sounds weird but so uh, a shortened season this is weird for the Cubs because they, they are such a streaky team you know anybody who's watched them over the past few seasons knows that they they have extended periods where they're very boom or bust. Yes. And so if you have a really short season, it almost feels like a coin flip with the Cubs. Yeah. And it wouldn't yeah. shock me either way. You know, it, months from now, uh, shortened season's over with. It would not surprise me at all if you told me that they were absolutely horrible and they finished last in their division. Or it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if you told me that they won their division by a wide margin. Neither scenario would shock me at all. They're that streaky. Uh, so if they have a really shortened season, then yeah, it, it's just going to depend which which streak they go on. Yeah, I mean, they could 
they could be like the post lockout Blackhawks in 2013, really short season and mm-hmm. set all sorts of records for win streaks and run away with a championship. Or, yeah, they could be completely awful and they could be yeah. streaky on the other end. It's, I mean, it is interesting to think about. The other thing you could think about too is if it's a short season and baseball is a natural game of ups and downs. It just kind of depends on how good you are. No matter how yeah. good or bad you are, you're going to have ups and downs, except maybe right. for like the Baltimore Orioles a few years ago or the 03 Tigers. But you could you could see teams that are supposed to be bad. Yes. Yeah, like so actually it, not be as bad, even though right. they're bad. Yeah. So it, and it's it's going to put a lot of pressure on a lot of teams because it's. You know, if you start really cold and you have you have a, a cold streak, you know there there might not be any coming back from that, and that's gonna that's gonna put a lot of pressure on these teams, especially teams like the Cubs who who just are are in and out of the zone all the time and not very consistent. Think about the teams that have the contending pressure on them: the Yankees, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Astros. Teams like that. You know, when the season starts and it's shorter, they they are the better teams in the league. Mm-hmm. They have the more talent. They have more pressure on them. But think about a team that's either flying under the radar like Cincinnati with the moves they made, an upcoming team like yeah the White Sox or like a random not-so-good team like the Texas Rangers. And mm-hmm. they're just probably thinking, hey, let's just go out and play. This is this is their opportunity. See, it's, yeah. like this kind of opens the door for a team like the Cincinnati Reds mm-hmm. to to actually do something significant. Because now, you know, in in normal circumstances, the middle of the pack teams they hang around for a while, but eventually they get outlasted yes. by the very well built teams who have more depth in the pitching. This opens the door for a team like the Reds, who, you know, norm, un, normally, you know, they would they maybe sort of fade out of the picture because they just don't have the pitching. This is their chance. You know, all these middle-of-the-pack kind of teams, this is their chance. Diamondbacks, that's another yeah. team. Yeah. You know, it's the Reds and the Diamondbacks, are like the two NL teams that made some improvements and have been, you know, given credit for it. But even so, I think on a national level, People aren't looking at the Diamondbacks and the Reds to be better than the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Cubs, or even the Brewers at this point. So, yeah, I mean, that's that would make things pretty interesting. It's it's also kind of funny to think I I don't see in any scenario, even if it's a short season of the Marlins being good. But think about a team with no pressure and a shortened season. And, you know, they added a few veteran pieces they can just be that really pesky, annoying team that just messes with other yeah, people. Where yeah. they're they're not good, but they're they're competing better than you thought they would. Yeah, and in this, a short season, it opens up a lot more opportunity, like you said. Yeah, I think you know, the, the, the psychology of it, I think, plays a big role for a lot of these teams. And just you know, being unburdened by by the you know knowing your fate. Uh, could make all the difference in the world for some of these teams, and, and you know, I, I don't see the Marlins making a big splash. But you know, any of no. those kind of teams that we would normally think of as bottom feeders, when when the pressure's off because you know you, you weren't going to have a good season anyway, 
but now you, you you just let everything fly. It, it could be weird. I could see this potentially creating more parity in the league. Yeah, think and another few teams you could think about too. The Mets, the Giants. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Giants are not good. They are not good at all. But no. <sighs> You could see them being kind of sneaking around down there. Or the Padres. Think about the Padres. Uh, This, you know, this this could be a a big opportunity for some young guys in the minor leagues, too, because, you know, if they have to extend or expand rosters uh, significantly, then, you know, this is this is a young guy's chance to prove he belongs, you know, maybe fast track some people to the major leagues. Uh, and maybe teams, you know, find out what they've really got on their hands ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Absolutely. So until then, like we've said on many previous shows, we'll wait and see. We're still waiting and seeing. Yep. All right. Quick switch gears here. Um, I wanted to just bring this question up to you just for funsies. Okay. All right. If you had to pick three active players that were on the 2016 Chicago Cubs and bring them back, who would those three players be? Now, keyword active. So nobody who's retired counts. You had to bring back three players from that team. From which, you're going to have to repeat that to me. I'm sorry. 2016. From 2016. Yes, that are no longer on the team and are still active in baseball. So they're playing on another team right now, but they were on the 2016 team. Okay. You want to bring them back. Who would those three be? I I assume that that if I'm bringing them back, I, I'm getting the current version of themselves and, and not you know the way they were performing in 2016. Or, or or is it the the former? Let's do because because if I can assume that they're going to perform similarly to how they did in 2016, then that makes this a lot easier. I think. Right. Let's let's do it in current form. In current form, okay. It makes uh, it harder. That makes it that makes it a lot harder. That's much that's harder for sure. Yes. Um. Off the top of my head, and this this is tough if we're going with their current form, I would probably bring back Dexter Fowler just because mm-hmm. I, I've really, these past few years, I've really wanted the Cubs to have a leadoff guy, you know, the leadoff guy. And I know Fowler hasn't played very well since he's left the Cubs, but I think he just... I think he just fit in really well with the Cubs, and I have a feeling that if he was on the Cubs right now, it, things might be a little easier for him. I wouldn't expect him to to replicate his 2016 season, but no, it was a career. But, but just having you know a consistent leadoff guy, I think makes a big difference. So I would bring back Dexter Fowler. Um, I know Arietta has really struggled. These past couple of seasons too, but he is still a valuable starting pitcher in the mm-hmm. league, uh, and, and the Cubs could make room for another guy in their rotation. So, I'd bring back Jake Arrieta too. So the so what I, I've got uh, Fowler and Arrieta so far. I've got to pick one more. Mm-hmm. Ah, let's see here. That's tough. I got mine pretty easily. I'm gonna see what Do you, you? Have to say. Yes. 
Okay. Um, you know, I, I part of me wants to say Chris Coughlin because I was a really big Chris Coughlin fan oh, back I love in Chris the day, Coughlin. and I don't even know why. I I just I just really liked the guy, and I wish he could have stuck around with the team a little bit longer. I suppose. Ah, boy, but he's this, not active. This is hard. You know, if I'm going just for for pure value of the team, then that's, you know, it's, that makes things different. But just to bring a, a sort of whimsical, fun uh, presence back to the team, maybe I would go with Kawasaki again. But I, I, my practical answer will be Mike Montgomery, just to have another long arm in the bullpen. Uh, I know he didn't he didn't particularly like his role on the team, but he he. He served it well. So th- those will be my three, Fowler, Arietta, Montgomery. Okay. So I would agree on Fowler. I'd agree on Arietta. You know, Fowler last year, despite like the 232 average or whatever, his OBP, he still had a very good OBP. Mm-hmm. Let's see, where was it last year? 346. That's exactly the same OBP he had in yeah. 2015. I think he'd still make a good leadoff man. And you know what? He hit 19 homers, career high 19 homers. One thing that I think um, that Dexter Fowler has added very nicely in St. Louis, he's upped his power game a little bit. So, you know, take that for what it is. I think it's clear that 2016 was the career year for him, but I still think he'd be very valuable at the top of that order. And with Arietta, I think at this point, I take him as a five starter, frankly. Yeah, I mean, as far as the numbers he puts up, yeah, that's that's probably closer to what his actual value is. You know, you look past the fact that he's a big name now and the big salary, but yeah, it's just production-wise, he's probably just a four or five guy. But, you know, the Cubs could use one of those. Right. Now, the one that I was going to say that you're probably going to kick yourself over. Okay. Tommy LaStella. Yeah, Estella. That's a good one. That's a he really good one. He was an all-star one. last year. Yeah, time. that's a really good one. You hard pressed to find a better bench bat than Estella. And they did not have bench bats last year. No, and and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would I would have to guess that over that that two or three year span, he had to have been a top five pinch hitter. He had to have been. Yeah, yeah. He you was. just don't see you don't see regular pinch hitters hitting 280, 290, that's almost unheard of to maintain that kind of average when you're just coming off the bench most of the time. It's That's really good. 2017, he had a 389 OBP. 389. That's, yeah, that's insane. And it's it actually is kind of surprising to me that it took this long for him to find a starting role somewhere. I assume he's going to be a starter on the Angels. Yeah, I just think it was the fact that he was on the Cubs. It was already mm-hmm. taken up by other bigger names. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he filled that role perfectly. He, not much of any sort of power there. Uh, but Until he got to the Angels. <laughs> yeah, but the Cubs the Cubs weren't hurting for power, though. They had power all across their... No, they didn't need it from him. But just, you know, having a pinch hitter, you know you've got a great chance at getting... Uh, a single is is insanely valuable and yeah that's i am kicking myself that's a good one that is a really good one think about all those ugly addison russell and uh daniel descalso at bats last year and think about had they been replaced with a tommy Stella. you probably score some more runs and you probably win a few most more likely. ball games most likely yeah 
Um, you know what's really, really kind of crazy? If you go on Baseball Reference and you go look up the 2016 Chicago Cubs, you, you, you just go on their main page where it has all the players and all the stats. You look at the list of players who played for that team and you realize how a majority of those players are gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know the core is mostly still there, but it, it's it is sad that a lot of those key figures are not in the picture anymore. You know, John Lester and Kyle Hendricks are right now the only pitchers left on the team from that entire pitching staff. That is a little bit mind blowing. I I believe it, but just but just hearing that is it is a little weird to think that it's it's that much different than just yep. a few years ago. And, you know, if you're listening, you don't believe me. Jake Arrieta, gone. John Lackey, gone. Travis Wood, gone. Montgomery, gone. Cahill, gone. Warren, gone. Zestrizny, gone. Patton, gone. Buchanan, gone. Edwards, gone. Peralta, gone. Clayton Richard, gone. Pedro Strope is now gone. Hector Rondon, gone. Grimm, gone. Neil Ramirez, yeah. gone. Chapman, gone. Maddox. Joe those Nathan, are... Joe Smith, Concepcion, Felix Pena, all gone. Two of those guys that... that... At that point, we all had really high hopes that they'd be a big part of the bullpen for at least a few more years to come, Justin Grimm and Neil Ramirez. Yeah. Boy, remember when Neil Ramirez first came up? He mm-hmm. was dominant. Mm-hmm. And then all those injuries just killed him. You know, both both of those guys, Grimm too, when he was on, he was really good. But oh, man, yeah. when, but when he wasn't on, it was a train wreck. Hector Rondon, those years he was the closer in 14 and 15 and the first half yeah. of 16... He was as underrated as you can find. I feel really bad for how things ended up with Hector. I I I just I I hold to my opinion that losing the closer spot just damaged his mentality. I think it did too. I don't think yeah. it did him any favors at least. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it is hard for guys who are just fastball slider to keep it up for a number of years, but yeah, yeah, I definitely think there was something there to that. Yeah, you're gonna have a shorter shelf life as a pitcher when you rely mostly on your velocity. It's you know you're you can only do so much before you start to lose a tick or two. It it happens to everyone unless yep. you're juicing. Yeah, right. Now you look at the batters too. Everyone who played a position in 2016. Again, it's not a lot left. From uh, one to eight for the guys who had, you know, a lot of the at-bats. I mean, Baez had a lot, but he was ranked ninth for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um, because he wasn't an everyday guy at the time. But among the everyday guys, Montero, gone, Ben Zobris, gone, Russell, gone, Soler, gone. I don't know if it's just you, but I keep forgetting Solaire was part of that team. I don't because I I I irrationally liked Solaire. Like I I knew I did I, too in dis- 2015, despite, but despite all of his flaws, I was a really big Solaire fan. He was a guy that I wish they could have held on to longer. In hindsight, they it was absolutely the right move. Uh, you know, I know I know he hit uh, a ton of home runs last he year. He hit some moonshots. It yeah. still it still was the right call. I think that was just a really likable roster from beginning to end that year. And mm-hmm. 
Man, Joe Nathan was a really underrated story too. I, uh, did did he have, did he get a ring? I think so. That's pretty. That's cool. So did Brian Maddox in that one start that was. Oh, Maddox, uh, yeah, yeah. That Brian. was the uh, Lester walk off. Another cool story, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, Jorge Soler. I was huge on him in 2014, and remember in 2015 when he had that monster postseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Schwarber he, he, were the he boppers. Carried them in, in the, at the beginning of that postseason. Honestly, Soler was the guy in that first series. I thought going into 2015, I thought Soler was going to be the perennial All Star of the Cubs core. I really yeah, did. I was hoping he could be, but man, we we knew about his flaws. He had some holes in his swing, and he man, he went on cold streaks, uh, and and, and literally. Literally, the cold was his kryptonite too. <laughs> you remember? Yeah. Remember yes. in, the, in the early part of the season, he'd be wearing that full body oh, compression yes. outfit underneath, and yeah, he looked like yeah. Slender Man out that there. That man, that man did not like playing in the cold. No, no. But boy, when he got a hold of one, go just watch yeah. his Cubs highlights. Yeah, the he, ones that he hit off the board, whew, he, man, he punished baseballs when he hit home runs i mean he he really swung with authority it's it's so weird i mean sometimes you see a guy hit a home run and it you know it goes a long ways but it just didn't it didn't look like he pummeled it it looked fairly effortless every time soler hit a home run it just looked like he was destroying the base oh yeah it like maybe, left a vapor trail maybe it's just because of his physique i mean he, he's a pretty jacked guy but Dude hits him hard. Yeah. I mean, the dude hits him hard. Yeah. He had 48 home runs last year. Yeah. I mean, there's, you can, you can just tell off the bat there's home runs and then there's home runs with some authority, some oomph to him. You know, it's, it's, it's good to see him thrive in Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's well. my opinion that unfortunately, Soler was never going to develop into the player he was if he stayed in Chicago. Right. With all the other players, uh, you know, bringing in Jason Hayward with all the other players on the roster, it just it wasn't going to happen here. And, you know, when they no. traded Soler away, it, you know, he had the holes in his swing. He also had a lot of nagging injuries. So it, they were pretty lucky to get a year out of one of the best closers in baseball at the time in Wade Davis uh, for Soler. And finally, that trade is paying off for the Kansas City Royals. But yeah. You know, it's. I'm glad he was able to go to a place where he could finally reach his potential. And I I think Solaire is a good fit on a team like the Royals. You know, the, the Royals obviously are not particularly close to being uh, a competitive, serious team in the league. And I think you, for a team like that, you need a player like Solaire who can potentially hit 50 home runs mm-hmm. to give fans a reason to come to the games. You know, Solaire for yeah, the Royals sure. is the the excitement of that team. He he basically is. There's not much else on that team right now. And also, I mean, let's be real. He is much more suited to be a DH. Oh, yeah. He's going he, to be a long-term he, DH. He, he absolutely belongs in the American League, without a doubt. Exactly. Another few interesting names on this uh, this list of 2016 Cubs. Do you remember when Jamie Candelario was one of our notable prospects? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's not exactly lived up to the hype. But, yeah, man, he, he had tons of promise back then. And he was, he was in his early 20s. 
And yeah, that Jamer Jamer would be an interesting one to see uh, how he would have fit into this team had they kept him. It was I don't think it was ever realistic for them to hold on to him. Past, no, past he was his, trade bait since day one. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Tigers in 2019, 94 games he slashed 203, 306, 337. Not great. Uh, the yeah. 2018 he did hit 19 homers in 144 games, but it's still a lot of holes in that swing. Yeah, he's he's not exactly turned into the the next generation perennial all star that that we had hoped he would become. We also had uh, the legendary Ryan Kalish that year. Seven games of Ryan. The legendary Kalish. Ryan Kalish. Yes. The legendary we must Ryan preface Kalish. Ryan Kalish with legendary. Of course, and then a guy I really, really, really liked, Matt Caesar. Yeah, Matt Caesar, good bench guy good guy in general mm-hmm. and you know what the way he uh lent his, his bat to anthony rizzo you remember that i remember that stress? yeah i remember yeah rizzo breaking his cold streak using caesar's bat ever since that started yeah. i mean you look at what he did in the nlcs and world series he was mashing the ball many of those games it was kind of funny yeah i mean just everything about that season was so perfect good good fun players good stories it, it was it was pretty hollywood picturesque it's almost like it was so Hollywood that it it should have been clear to us that it was never going to go down like that again. As good as the team was. Yeah, I, I think that in our lifetimes, we'll never have it as good as we had it in 2016. It really was just easy breezing from beginning to end. Tense moments in the postseason, obviously, but beyond that, it was just a, a breeze. And I don't know, there, there there's something about baseball. It's like... In the summertime, generally, all of my nervousness and anxiety has to do with whether or not the Cubs are going to perform well. And in 2016, at, at a certain point, there really was none of that anymore. It just felt like I w- we were just biding our time until we finally got to watch postseason baseball. Yeah, and you know, that was that in and itself was kind of nerve-wracking because there was part of you that was thinking, yeah, too oh, good to god, true, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, this "Oh god." Just bound to crumble at any moment. Right. Like, you know, watch them win 100 plus games. They have one of the best, if not the best mm-hmm. season of the modern era in Cubs history. Yeah. And then in the postseason they just completely flop. I feel that, yeah. Well, the, remember 2008? That team looked unbeatable that year. I choose not to remember 2008. Oh, you've uh, you wiped it from your memory. Yeah, yeah, I have erased it from the storage card of my brain. Oh, that's that was nerdy. I... <laughs> that was a really nerdy thing to say. Yeah, I I might <laughs> need to find a new co-host after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry. That was great. That, that that was so nerdy. That was actually pretty great. Like that was awesome. I try. That though, I mean, that season, 2008 until 2015, 2016, no other team in the regular season in our lifetimes, granted we're not very old, came even close to that season. Like no. they they looked unbeatable. Yeah. And it's just so mind-boggling how they had one of the most historically awful postseason performances ever. 
against an 84-win Dodger team. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it really does feel like how the mighty have fallen. And that's that's where some of my fears in 2016 started. But there was the other part of me saying, this team's different. This team mm. is just different. There's something about them. They're not like those other teams that crumbled. There, you could sense there was something different. But the anticipation yeah. was always there. I just think that, you know, when, when you have the chance to, to make history... I mean, this it's it, that World Series championship is, is has more significance than anything in recent memory. Maybe the Red Sox before that, but when you have, when you have a chance to be part of the team that finally makes it happen after over a hundred years, uh, I mean, there there's there's some different motivation I think behind that than than just you know being a regular contender going for it all. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're trying to build basically the ultimate story the team I, that finally wins the world series i mean a lot of the a lot of the free agents that signed with them around that time it, it, they said that almost verbatim that they they chose the cubs because they wanted to be a part of the team that finally made it happen i came here for jewelry John. yeah and i think that 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 kind of hurts them now because that's obviously that's out the window now that the world series is so fresh that it's there's not really good the historical significance of the whole thing is is not really prevalent anymore, but but they're still a good team capable of doing it all, and that should be enticing to free agents. But you know that small part of it is now gone, which is kind of sad. But you know, that's yeah, part. no, that's that's true. That's true. I, I just think that I think they always want to win, and I don't want to ever say that they have completely no hunger, but. Like we've said on this show before, you can definitely tell the difference between hunger when you don't have it and hungry for more when you do have it. It's right. it's different for certain teams. Teams like the Blackhawks, they constantly wanted more. The Cubs, they filled their bellies. They were, you know, looking for more, but they weren't like going on the prowl for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you hate to say they were content because, you know... But it, it felt like that at times. It definitely felt like that. Yeah, it's it was really depressing the final month of last year when everything was pretty much done. You never thought that you would see a Joe Madden team just play to go through the motions. That's basically what it was that final month when they were the when they were looked. pretty much screwed. They were just going through the motions. And that is the way it I, looked. Yeah. It, it did. And I think part of that was just knowing, okay, our manager is probably going to be gone after this. And the manager thinking, I know I'm going to be gone after this. And there's no big finale to play for. So we're just going to go through the motions. If, if they were really contenders and they were in a big tight division battle, then you'd say, you know what? This is likely the last year we're going to have our manager. Let's go out in glory. But by the time that they were in that final stretch of the season, they were out of it. Eh. Yeah, it 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 was it was tough to watch because it it really just felt like they were going through the motions. And as much as I love Joe Madden and I'll be eternally grateful to him, I think that parting ways probably was the sort of spark of rejuvenation that this team needed. 
yeah, I, I reset so. button a little bit. And I've, what's going on right now doesn't help at all for anyone. But, you know, that's out of their every, control. everybody's in the same boat, though. So, right. Exactly. Now, if they don't have baseball and they say that a year of control is going to happen, I mean, that means we could see no more John Lester. It means the last Lester yeah. start he made would have yeah. been the last without us knowing. Yeah, I haven't really kept up on that front. You know, if the if the MLBPA and the commissioner's office, if they're if they're doing any sort of negotiating on how a year of control shakes up in this strange time, uh, I, I I don't know. And honestly, I'm not sure whose side I would take. It's it's a tough thing. It really is a tough tough position. But it's got it's got to all be figured out, you know, eventually. Because yeah, yeah, before you know it, you're either going to be starting the season or you're going to have to think about starting next year. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation because the there is there is no half a year of control, anything like that. You no. you either you either served your time or you didn't, and that's there's no gray area there. So it's. You know, whichever way it shakes out, I think I think there's going to be a lot of people unhappy. But you know, what can you do? Yeah, so we're just going to keep an eye out. Hopefully, we'll get better news in the world and around sports. But obviously, the the news in the world has to get better first. I, I mean, okay, so from the Cubs' perspective, uh, you know, we we have John Lester can, to consider these other free agents with just or, or guys who will be a free agent after this year. That's one thing. Imagine the Red Sox and the Dodgers. The Dodgers oh, yeah. trading the Dodgers trading away high value prospects for Mookie Betts, and then they don't even get Mookie Betts for this year. I mean, how does how does that shake out? The 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 Red Sox basically get these guys for nothing. The Dodgers, think, the Dodgers trade nothing, and the Dodgers give away everything and get nothing. And even so, even if you do, re- if the Dodgers do sign him via free agency, you're probably thinking, well, if he was going to be a free agent, we could have tried for him regardless if we didn't trade for him yeah. and we'd still have these guys. But See, then again, if he did stay, he might have extended. You don't know, but I'm sure that's on their mind. It's it's weird. See, that's the kind of scenario in in which I could see the teams like lawyering up potentially. Yeah, <laughs> I think I don't think it would be you know out of character for the Dodgers to say, you know what, give them back, give them back. We didn't get Mookie. You don't get them. <laughs> what is your return policy? Yeah, I kept the receipt. Hopefully, they kept the receipt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have the Dodgers GM flying to Fenway Park. He's like running up to the gates, like holding the receipt in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> One Mookie bets. At least have some sort of exchange policy. Is <laughs> <laughs> good, uh, Mister John Henry. What is your exchange or return policy here? Or do I at least get? Do I at least get credit? All on, sales uh, final, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Yes, John Henry just just puts on his sunglasses. Sorry, my man. All sales are final. Should have read the fine print. Within the fine print. I have a hard time believing there is fine print for circumstances like these, though. I mean, this is really not the kind of thing you, you think of when you're writing these papers up. 
Well, no, I mean, that's that's the thing about this whole pandemic is going forward just in the entire world, whether it's sports, whether it's other sorts of business, anything now, they are going to have everything is going to develop some sort of protocol education, too. They're going to develop some sort of protocol for events like these. There is no way that they're not going to after this. Yeah, I had just a lot of adapting on the fly and. Who knows exactly what the new normal will be like because uh, one thing's for certain is once we finally overcome this and hopefully we do sooner rather than later, things won't just go back to normal right away. It's going to be weird. Some things will never be the same. Truly. Some things will be changed forever because of this. Yeah. It's sad. It is. But we're just going to hope that we can get through it, get through it strong and you know, soon we can mm-hmm. return to normal, but all one we step can do at a time. is our best and keep the best attitude we can. Yep. And, uh, you know, help those who need help and be there for people who need help and, you know, be smart and take care of ourselves. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's a whole new lifestyle, but the, the only thing we could do is make the best of it and do what's best for us and the people around us. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day. Well said. All right, so I think that's going to wrap things up here on Climbing the Ivy. I want to thank everybody for listening. A reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You can also check out their Facebook and Twitter pages. Also, check out this podcast on iTunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.